Welcome to Vino Week, episode 14, brought to you by Vino 101. Welcome, everybody. I'm Bill. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Vino Week. Glad you're listening. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Good to see subscribers. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Somebody cares. <laughs> Somebody cares about us prattling on about the world of wine. <laughs> so um, uh, what's in the news this week? My first story, I believe we're going to go with uh, young Joseph Wagner. And uh, we're uh, continuing to talk a little bit about his uh, his big windfall when he was when he sold uh, Naomi brands for three hundred fifteen million to constellations. Right. Uh, you know, so this is, um, I, you know, there's a lot of good uh, a lot of good nuggets around this story. So first is that um, Joe's thirty three. Um, not a bad, you know, not a bad, um, showing to build a, build a brand, build a brand, not a, when it didn't sell the actual, you know, production facility or anything or the vineyards, but he sold the brand for 315 million. So that's pretty big. Now we've also talked about the, the next project that he sort of focused on, which is a winery outside of where we live. Sevastopol, um, that he wants to, it's a substantial winery. I think it's 500 cases. Um, yeah. And, and distillery. Yeah. And, and spirit. So, and there's a bunch of hurdles there. Um, you know, I think, um, I don't know if Joe studied sort of the past successes of, uh, people like Robert Mondavi and, um, you know, the other, uh, you know, the gallows, sort of the other, um, you know, big California wine families, but he's certainly sort of building a footprint there. I, I thought it was really interesting that he had mentioned that they had lost the uh, Osti winery to um, Gallo, right? Yeah, and, boy. And he said that they he should have had it, and then and then he, you know, you know, he's talking about buying up a bunch of lands and a bunch of lands, a bunch of land. And, you know, wants to eventually crank out a million cases a year. But, um, you know, you pointed out some interesting things that came as family sort of already there production-wise. Or that came, came as also does Woodbridge. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty big. They have a lot of brands. Maybe with, uh, yeah. They do, um, let me see. I'm looking up their brands. I'm looking up all their brands right now. Uh, gotcha. Conundrum, which is... Oh, my computer is having a very, very yeah, bad moment right now. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. It's um don't don't worry about it. We can uh um I, I think the significant brand there that you had mentioned is Woodbridge, which, you know, if you're on the west coast and go into a Safeway, you're gonna find or probably any grocery store, you're gonna find Woodbridge um in that store. Oh. Yeah, and I want to. I want to make sure they that they own that brand. That's what I was looking for. I might be. I could be mistaken. Well, Let's I gotcha. Because Woodbridge, I, Woodbridge, I think is Mondavi property. So let's correct ourselves before somebody else does. Oh, that's not bad to be correct. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. That's bad. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the other. They have a. They do have a. They do a lot of business down in the Central Valley. 
So I'm, I just can't find the brand right now. Nah, that's, you know, no worries. But Conundrum's one of their uh, wines, and that's always a that's a fun wine to get every year. Yeah, I try to figure out what's in there because they change the blend all the time. For sure. It's, For sure. It's a, it's a good wine. It's uh, definitely um, – their their profile they definitely know what the consumer likes as far as their wine making style i mean if you if you try their wines they have they have a formula you know that family has a formula that that truly works and resonates with people so um people get attached to that brand they try it and you know they become repeat customers yeah and they probably have their marketing machine you know cranked out so that once you become a you know, a member of one of their wineries that they, you know, market the other ones. Uh, Bell Gloss is one. I, Bell Gloss is, I think, a pretty big production Pinot that people might know. Camus, Marisol, Conundrum, Amolo. Marisol, that's what I'm thinking of. Gotcha. The Crystal Vineyard. That's a, that's a pretty big brand. Gotcha. Gotcha. You, you see that everywhere. And it, yeah. it's pretty and, good. And, and, um, and then Camus. I mean, you know, Camus is pretty famous. Just um, slightly, <laughs> you know. So you know. Yeah, yeah. The Mersolet, that's uh, Mersolet. Is that how you say that? That's, Sorry. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. And that's that's from. Uh, it's not Central Valley. It's actually it's out towards the coast. coast. It's uh, Santa Lucia, Lucia Highlands. So it's uh, Santa Barbara, like, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Mon- Monterey County, kind of like Southern Monterey. Southern that, Monterey. That, yeah, coastal highlands. Yeah. Um. So kind of transit, you know, let's transition and talk a little bit about uh, um, uh, this Oregon uh, winery who's uh, offering investment. Yeah, let, let, real quick on the, on the dairymen, I oh, think yeah. you mentioned earlier that, you know, they're going to have uh, a few hurdles. And I think their biggest hurdle was they had to provide a, you know, a, a pretty extensive environmental impact report. Yep. You know, I think now that he's got $315 million in his pocket – you know, he's probably going to be able to crank out that report and, you know, kind of get over those hurdles. I think the biggest hurdle for that, that, that I see for that operation, is not so much putting it there. It's, it's like we said before in uh, future podcasts, it's the traffic is going to be an issue. And it's not just the road. I was thinking the other day, part of it is there's a, a pretty important or a, a fairly well-used bike trail that runs parallel to the highway. And, you know, I think people that take that trail, you know, it's the whole you don't want to, you know, you got vehicles and people, you know, that's always a could be a little danger there. So I think I read somewhere that they're thinking about putting some type of tunnel, you know, building like a, a tunnel access, which would be kind of would, would be a nice thing. That way, uh, you know, you don't have people in cars running in each yeah, other. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to, you know. You know, so now it's just a matter of how much of that three hundred fifteen million is actually going to go into that site. Yeah, <laughs> I mean exactly. that's I mean that's all that's all it is. And you know, it would be wise. You know, once again, you know, we're having this discussion where it's a fight as opposed to, you know, let's sit down and talk about what makes sense to fit on that piece of property and how we're going to handle traffic. And I mean, the winery is going to get built. It's the same conversation that happened in. In many cities where, I mean, these things eventually happen. They're just going to happen. Um, so instead of like, you know, spending uh, an excessive amount of money on, you know, lawyers to fight each other, why don't we just sit down at the negotiating table and, and 
you know, figure out something that makes sense for everybody. It will bring jobs. It will bring tourism. It will bring money into the area. It's like, that's not a bad thing. And, and also at the same time, you know, you don't want, you know, semis rolling up and down that, uh, that road. It's a two lane road day and night. So, you know, um, but it's going to happen. <laughs> all, all I, all I can think of when you say that is that ad years ago with Gavin du- Newsom when he says, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and he's talking about the, you know, the, um, all of the, the new, uh, bills coming out for, uh, um, the gay rights, gay marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I can only think of that. Yeah, it's, it's and it did happen. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's saying the same thing about, uh, cannabis now too. So just saying, <laughs> um, so on to Oregon, Oregon, here we come. Um, so we've got a, uh, a winemaker who's selling, uh, who's building his next winery by selling shares of, uh, uh, the corporation that's going to run the Oregon Estate Vineyards Portfolio um, Company, and it's um, so you can, if you're a, a wine patron, you can buy shares and and um, you get access. I think you get special access, um, but it, you have to be a resident of the state of Washington or Oregon to help fund construction. It looks like two two wineries. Yes. And this is going to be traded on the NASDAQ. So, I mean, this is, you know, you can go online and you can read the prospectus and all of that stuff. But as Bill mentioned, you have to be a a resident of Oregon or Washington. What I find interesting is the number of shares. There's a limit on the number of shares that you can purchase. So they're really making it. The whole idea is it's supposed to be a chance for people to own a business, which is what you are. If you buy shares, you are essentially owner of this business. Um, but it's something where the common everyday person can do it because the minimum purchase is 300 shares at uh, $4.15 a share. I mean, that's 1245 bucks. You know, that's that's pretty reasonable. And uh, the maximum is 1,205 shares. So you can't buy more than $5,000 worth of this, uh, the stock options, which is pretty cool. Right. It's also it also looks like it's preferred stock, so it's not, you know, it's not common stock. So it's preferred. So yeah, there's going to be a dividend, and I dividend, see and and you probably have, you know, you have some some type of voting rights. I mean, you're not sitting on the board, so yes, you know, I mean, in term, and I imagine that you're probably going to have to be an accredited investor. Oh uh, yeah, which means that you have to have a you have to have assets or cash. Um, I think a million dollars. Mm, I don't know if it, well, that's a, it'd be interesting to see. I, I I went I touched briefly and went and looked at the um the uh port the um uh the prospectus prospectus. But I you know after a, like a couple pages I was falling asleep. Yeah, so. a lot of that's legalese. You <laughs> know, the SEC two years ago or a year ago changed the rules about some of this stuff. You never used to be able to advertise um for investment um. And they've also sort of relaxed the rules of who can invest. They're talking about completely relaxing them so you don't have to meet this accreditation standard to actually invest. Um, Which is scary. Well, it is. At some level, it is. And at some level, it's not, right? Like, why? Just because I don't have a million dollars, why can't I buy this? You know, why can't I buy $1,200 of the stock? Why can't I, as an individual in the United States, participate 
in making money. I mean, this thing might be a money-making venture. And, you know, I, I mean, it puts the burden of... It puts the burden of due diligence onto the investor, but at the end of the day, you should be doing that anyway. And, you know, with the advent of the, you know, we, we were getting away from, you know, you used to go to work for a company, you have a pension, you retire, and you've got Social Security and your pension. Those days are all gone. We have to build our own retirements now. So, you know, I want to participate, you know, like how awesome would it have been to buy, you know, buy Google, buy into Google preferred shares when they were three years old? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, he he would uh, maybe he'd be flying around in your private jet by now. Um, I'm just saying, it's just um, it's interesting. I think we're going to see more of these types of things. It I often think that a lot of these, I'm going to call them creative endeavors. So you know, people building restaurants, people building wineries, um, uh, bands, uh, um, theater companies, symphonies, ballet companies. Um, you know, we're going to somewhat of this patron model where, you know, I have some wealth and I have affinity with this particular craft or endeavor and I'm going to invest in these people or I'm going to help them do their thing because I get so much value out of the entertainment or, the, you know, the product. Um, I think we're just going to see more and more of this type of stuff. Well, I'm going to I'm going to call it the new it's the new form of panhandling. It's panhandling <laughs> for the masses kind because, of. I mean, you're seeing it everywhere. And, you know, um, last week I was talking to a winemaker and, you know, not going to mention any names, but he he was able to um, follow his passion and, you know, work in the industry and learn from other people. But he didn't have the means. And, you know, he just did a crowdfunding. And uh, now he's he's got uh, he's opening up a new tasting room in a pretty prestigious spot, you know, in, here in uh, Sonoma County. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's 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 on his way. But, you know, the whole idea of I mean, it's a risky thing. These are these are risky businesses uh, to be sure. Yeah. You know? If you um, um, there's a couple people I follow who are. Um, are called angel investors in the technology business. And, you know, their ratio that they look for is they figure every, they look at it in series of tens and, you know, you're going to have out of every 10, you're going to have one that succeeds. It's the same ratio of small business success. Yeah. You know, one that's going to succeed, you know, maybe out of every 50 or every hundred, if you can, you know, if you lay small bets down, one of those might be, um, you know, might, just get really big. You know, you might find a Google or an Apple or um, Facebook or one of those, um, a Pinterest, a Twitter. You know, they talk about those things all the time. And, and um, you know, then you're talking about, in fact, they have a they have a term for it in the venture, in the venture money business. They call them unicorns. Yes. Where they basically, the valuation of the company is north of a billion dollars. And there have been a significant amount of them in the last in the last five years. So, you know, I, I think the, the crowdfunding thing's a little bit different than what the guy in Oregon's doing. Cause a guy in Oregon's like, Hey, participate. You have, you like wine, you have some affinity to maybe, you know, one day have a, have a winery. Why don't you just like buy into one right now? I mean, you can run around and legally say you're, you own a winery because you do, you own stock in a winery. Yeah. 
Um, and I agree, they are different. That's a there's a that's a unique point. They are they are very different. It's a it's it's not enough to make good wine. Is I guess is what I'm saying. Oh no, no people no, no way. people think that you can go out there, you can make great no. wine, and then everyone's going to find you and come buy your product. It doesn't quite work that way. In fact, if you want to get if you you could make the argument that if you want to get wealthy in the wine business, you're actually targeting the fine wine category may not be your best strategy. Yeah, you could be in trouble. Well, hey, I, spoke, I, I, I spoke with yeah. Mike, uh, Mike Officer. He makes Carlisle wines, and I'm sure you're familiar with those wines. Yeah. They're fantastic wines. He's finally like, shoot, I got to get a distributor, man. You know, yeah, not enough people know about me. Yeah, you know, I mean, you got to, you know, if you're a winery like that, or you're a craft brewer, or you know, uh, you know, even a, you know, some type of company that makes food, you got to market. I mean, your biggest job is getting customers. So, and that's for any business. Um, that's for any business. And then you have to deal with all the trials and tribulations of running a business like Champagne Chain does. Oh, boy. So, you, careful who you, who you step on or yeah. who steps on you Yeah, in this case. Yeah. So we talked about Champagne Jane who is getting – who is in trouble. Um, Big time. And being sued by I, – I don't know if the <clears> – <throat> Um, I, I I don't know what the agency is or the organization in in France that sort of deals with Champagne, but they're suing Champagne Jane because she's trying to trademark Champagne Jane, right? Yeah, it's the Le Committee Interprofessionnel <laughs> du Vin de Champagne. Uh, the committee. <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> it's not good. The Basically, uh, you know how I read it is that. Um, well, it's a blog. So we're talking about this blog post from Jim um, O'R, right? Am I saying yes. his name right? Yeah. And he's talking about – he has a great uh, snapshot of the Hosemaster of Wines Defense Fund because the Hosemaster's in, hose in trouble too. Donate now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 3K is not going to – that's that's not even going to make some copies for a good lawyer. <laughs> um, and That's your this, first conference call. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Um, but you were saying that he – and I just kind of scanned this this post. But you were saying that, that uh, Jim's basically making the case that, you know, they're beating Champagne. They're picking on Champagne Jane because she's a, she's a woman. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think it's less about sort of your gender and more about the fact you're, you're perturbing a brand that these people have been very – have demonstrated will will work well stop at nothing to protect their brand. Well, he he, well, he lays out kill you. Yeah, he lays out a good case. Yeah, and then he says, "Why so little support for Jane Powell?" And then he says, "Because she is a woman." And, but it's a question mark behind that. And I mean, it's it's really not because she's a woman, in my opinion. It's because she's trying to trademark something that's already trademarked. Right. I mean, Champagne is a it's a trademark brand, and you know, j just because you put your name behind it, you can't you can't do that. So I'm sure early on they said to her, "Hey, look, uh, you know, we think it's great what you're doing, but um, you know, you can't trademark this." And right. then she, you know, she stood her ground, and they just basically are pounding her into the ground. This is held. This is being held up in court right now. Um, the judge is. Uh, 
uh, thinking about it and looking at it. And it's been about four months now. So, uh, but in this article, he says that she's basically had to sell her house and, uh, she's, she's financially distressed as yeah, a result well. of this. She's being bankrupted by all these legal bills, uh, um, which, is, which is a terrible thing to hear. And the, and the host master, just for a quick recap, he, he wrote a not so nice, a not so, he did some not so nice writing about Riedel, the uh, glassware company. Um, I, um, you know, all of these things are, you know, when you're, when you're in the media business like this, you know, you have to be very cognizant of these things and make sure that you, you know, if you do write something that's controversial, you need to be prepared that, you know, somebody might come after you like this. I I think it's different in the case of Champagne Jane. I mean, she's trying to trademark an internationally famous, you know, brand. Let's just call it a brand. I mean, the, yeah. the champagne, the, the champagne committee is, is just not they're You know, they're going to protect that thing. It's yeah. Already, they're pretty aggressive. And it's your point there. It's already trademarked. So like I, you know, you got bad. I would go after the lawyers that told her she's got a case. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is it, it may not be the fact that champagne Jane's a woman It in terms of coverage or success in fundraising. It might just be the fact that, the hostmaster's got more reach and more popular. Yeah, he's got more reach. He has a, a wider audience for sure. I mean, he raised three thousand dollars over a couple of days, and you know, she's been at this. They've been uh, wrangling over this for over a year now, I think, and she's raised uh, fourteen hundred. Yeah. So, but, I mean, there you go. I mean, it's yeah. probably just a case of brand name recognition. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, speaking of champagne, this is a nice segue that uh, there's a uh, a post in. Um, um, the Guardian, which is a paper in the UK about um, Champagne being designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site, so that's the Champagne region in France. For those that don't know, it's it's to the northeast of Paris. Um, I think Reims is the town that it's sort of centered in, mm-hmm. and the um, it's talking about the French foreign minister whose name I am not going to try to pronounce. Fab, um, Laurent. Do you know how to pronounce his name? Uh, if I could see it's it, F, I it's, it's F A B I U S. Fabius. F A B I. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to say that. Fabus. Fabius. My uh, my two years of uh, high school French uh, did won't support that. No, no. I have no French speaking capability. Plug your ears, French people. Um, and please correct me. But anyway, okay. he's, he's talking about how, um, you know, they're just trying to draw more tourism and, and how valuable tourism is. Yes. I mean, we're talking billions of euros in terms of, um, um, you know, money brought into the region. You know, Burgundy's already, you know, they're, there are many people who plan their summers to, you know, high, you know, trip of a lifetime to go to Burgundy. I'm sure there's the same thing about, um, um, about Champagne. I happen to have had the experience of going to Champagne, um, to Reims, just outside of Reims, and stayed um, in a very small hotel in a tiny town um, uh, back around 2000, and it was, uh, wow, it was awesome. It was ridiculously awesome. I bought a ridiculous amount of champagne too. 
Oh man, why? How could you not? That sounds like a trip of a lifetime. <laughs> the car, the car was a little loaded. It's kind of leaning down. <laughs> it was kind of leaning down. There was no That's... room in the back seat or the trunk. That's great, man. I tell you. But you yeah, know, I got to put that on my list of things to do. It's uh, welcomed into someone's literally sort of the old, you know, French chateau, as you would think, you know, sort of U-shaped chateau, pea gravel everywhere. Everybody in the town had the same last name. That was the matriarch or the patriarch's name. And then uh, all the wineries were named with the wife of the uh, the owner of the of the winery in this particular town. So it was sort of a two-name champagne. Had us in their house, sort of really like sit down tasting with food, like spent all day with us kind of thing. Oh, that sounds um, awesome. It was. Took, it showed us how they, you know, basically showed us their entire production process. I mean, it was really, and it wasn't, you know, there was no, there was no, you know, it's not like tasting in America where it's like, well, you know, tasting's 15 bucks and if you buy a bottle, there was no discussion of any of that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what we would have done. I don't know what they would have done. I probably would have been just completely rude not to buy anything, but, um, and it was ridiculously priced. I mean, um, I mean, it was below twenty bucks. I think they had a millennium. They had made a millennium cuvee, uh-huh. and it might have been like twenty two a bottle. But everything else was under twenty. Wow! And it was like, it was, it was fabulous champagne. That's- anyway, so I, my point in saying that story, that personal anecdote, is if you get a chance to do it, go. Well, this is the new thing with what we're seeing all around the world now. You know, I guess the long and short of it is people that move the product in the past, i.e. distributors, they're not maybe they're not doing such a good job. And that's why these regions and um, wineries in general are saying, well, hey, man, I have to step my game up and make it to where making an experience for people to come here and visit. Right. And uh, yeah. You know, we, we got to do our part to market our stuff and, and not depend on the distributor, you know, right. if we really want to be be successful. Right. So that's and they're, also, they're also making a point in the article, too, about how Napa Valley is sort of overrun with tourists. So, yeah, know. it's the opposite. They've done such a great job. I love the um, the headline, Napa Valley is, is suffocating thanks to the tourist. Yeah. I, and, I, and it's in the pejorative, the tourist. Yeah. And, but it's, <laughs> I, I, I you know, if you um, – it's a tough balance. It's a tough balance. I mean, I you know you I you know I personally go over to Napa and I'm like, wow, this is like wine Disneyland. Um, it's. I mean, everything is focused on extracting money from people who come there. Yeah. Um, it's like the sole, you know, and, and so like, what's the difference, right? Well, the difference was it used to be a wine producing region, um, you know, where they grew grapes and they made wine, and you could go visit. Now it's like come visit and see the wine exhibits. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, wine tip, tra- wine traveling tip. If you if you're going to be here, plan your stuff at, towards the middle of the week. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, you know you'll have uh, you'll have less problems with traffic. Yeah. You know, and try you know really try to avoid being there on Saturdays and Sundays because it's crazy. I'd also avoid crush. So. Yeah. Right now, so basically, right now until October, it's it's insanity. Well, you can go there, but you're not going to really get that experience that you're looking for because you know people are you know it's a little chaotic because harvest has started. 
Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's happening right now. So you're not going to really get any quality time with anyone that's you know part of the operation to get insight. But you know you can definitely visit the wineries. Yeah. You know that whole thing. I I thought about it. If you're going from Napa, you know you could make like a the way it's set up. The valley is just it's like really one long valley. And it's <laughs> it's thirty <laughs> miles long and maybe at the most two miles wide in in a few locations. So it's like a loop. It's almost like a literally it's yeah, like a NASCAR circuit. Yeah, and there are two roads, right? There's two roads that you can yeah, basically you, Silverado Trail on the east side and uh, Highway 29 on the west. Yeah, so you could just you could go up, you could go up, you could start up Silverado, go that way, get to Calistoga, and then cut over and take the, uh, 29 down, you know, to catch the restaurants and everything, because that's where most of the restaurants and hotels are. They're on the main drag on 29. But boy, I tell you, it's amazing how that valley has changed. I mean, it's just the, the traffic is is unbearable. We were talking about this earlier, but I think it's just not there, but it's just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's it's one of the byproducts of having uh, promoted and done such a good job of uh, of establishing your brand. Yeah, it's a, it. You know, that's just a, that's an issue of success and. You know, there are a lot of, I know they're building bike trails and, um, you know, I think they're talking about expanding. I mean, there have been plans floated. I don't know how serious it is of, you know, cutting back on the cars and putting light rail in and, you know, that type of stuff. Um, it would, you know, it's a big component of the, of the wineries businesses that are there. I mean, you're talking, what did Wagner say? Or that press demo article that was talking about Joe Wagner, I think he was talking about an acre of land can what three hundred thousand dollars in yeah. in Napa Valley. That's, so yeah, he can't afford it. Like yeah, exactly. Like he's not looking to buy there. So I'm just saying, you know, with that sort of premium on property, you know, people will get frustrated. The word will get out like, oh, it's horrible. Don't go there. Go to Sonoma or go down to Santa Barbara or skip California altogether, go to Oregon, um, you know, that that word will start happening unless they make improvements that make it easier on tourists to get around and all of that good stuff. Hey, the market will adjust. Yeah, and the thing is, there's a whole bunch of, you know, most people just kind of stick on the main drag, but there's some really cool places to visit that are off the main drag where you can get some really good quality wine experiences. Uh, one that comes to mind is... Uh, you can go out and you can go into Pope Valley. Yeah. Um, so that's to the east. That's to the east. Yep, east, the northeast. East, one up the hills there. Northeast. And you could go um, You could go to um, Howell Mountain. I was going to say, so one of my favorite places is to go up to Howell Mountain. Yeah, so that's I mean, on the west side um, in between Sonoma and Napa. Um, Dynamite Cabernet from Howell it's Mountain. It's so beautiful up there. <laughs> stunningly beautiful. Yeah. It's stunningly beautiful. And you could also go up, uh, you could go up Spring Mountain Road. There's a number of wineries up there, up yep. Spring Mountain Road. So, I mean, you don't have to be penned on the highway traveling two miles an hour. You know, you can just get off and just go up the go up the hills a little bit and find some great places. Pride Mountain Vineyard up there. Um, um, yeah, Spring Mountain Road has at the top of the, where it's sort of the top of the hill mountain, if you will, kind of going from Napa into Sonoma, there's some really spectacular uh, tasting rooms up there, you know, a uh, tasting room with deck where you can sit out and kind of look out over Napa Valley. It's uh, 
it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's also the ultimate sports car road. You know, if you start early before everybody gets up, that's a that's a great road to it, unwind your Porsche. It it is. <laughs> it is a great road to drive. All right, so staying in California here, um, we got some smoky grapes in Trinity County. I mean, it's too bad we don't have it together where we could like uh, bust out some Van Halen right now with the I'm on fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, sorry, folks. No, it's, it's why fine. I'm not in the music business. It, um, it, it's, uh, you know, I think some of the stuff's getting national coverage, but the um, it's bad up in, in uh, Trinity County. In fact, last weekend, the wind shifted, so the wind was blowing um, from that part of California into our area, and it, you know, it looked like a, a really, really bad day in L.A. in the 70s here. Man, with just, it was just hazy, and I was actually outside at a pool, you know, where it's, you know, I mean, you could visibly see the dirty did, air, and I'm did like, did you have your gas mask on? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, man, this cannot be good. <laughs> and who's yeah. the? I can't remember. There's a an article, uh, an author that he's also a New York Times columnist. He wrote, um, I think he wrote a book recently called Hot, Flat, and Dirty, something like that. He was basically talking about how the world's basically polluted. Yeah. Um, and not that, you know, you can't really do a lot about these forest fires other than try to get them under control. But, um, you know, as we were talking last week, we talked a little bit about this. These grapes are are um, fragile enough that the, the smoke's actually going to get into the grape. It will get into the skin of the grape. So you're going to end up with smoky wine, which is probably not going to be very good unless you're really clever about making it. But, you know, you're talking about potential significant loss of people who um, grow grapes and make wine. Yeah, this, I feel I feel bad for these people at this winery. It's a small winery. It's called Butter Creek Ranch Winery. And it's uh, in Hyampum. Hyampum sounds like an yep. Indian name, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they basically they've lost their whole crop, and it's it's not it's the smoke, but it's also the ash that's in the air, yeah, and it just, settles all over the leaves and the grapes, and you just can't use it. You can't make wine out of it. I mean, you can make wine out of it, but uh, as the owner said, uh, Marty, she said it tastes like a used ashtray. Yep, just <laughs> like eating used cigarettes and ashes. It was awful. Yeah, that's uh, that does not sound. No, it's horrible. So, um, um, you know, they're going to have to bag their uh, – they lost their whole crop and it's – you know, they worked all year. People, you know, I mean, it's not like they just sit out there and watch the grapes grow and then go in and cut them off, you know. Yeah, There's a tremendous amount of resources that go into actually uh, making sure that the grapes are healthy. So um, they I, – I really feel sorry for these folks. It's a hit. It's a serious hit. Um and, and so just to give you a, an idea how bad it is, so just west of there is Humboldt County. So it's Eureka, Humboldt, Mendocino. Um, Eureka is in, in uh, Humboldt and it's in the north. They just declared um, a public health emergency on Friday and they're telling people to like seal their houses. And 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 this is a developed area. This used to be a big um, forestry area, logging area. Yep. Um so there's, you know, I mean, it's tens of thousands of people up there. Yeah, there's uh, a Humboldt State's up there. There's a whole bunch of, you know, and these these people are like basically like shelter in place, go to the coast, get out of the woods. So it's not good. Um, no, no, it's not. These fires, these fire fire season's been really bad this year. 
um, cause of the drought. But, um, yeah, I was up there. I was telling you, I was up there earlier. Um, uh, a couple weeks ago I, I drove up there and man, it was smoky then. Wow. I, I remember driving up there and just thinking, my gosh, yeah, you live in that stuff, right? And, um, so, yeah, as I was mentioning, Trinity, Humboldt, and Mendocino, that's also known as the Emerald Triangle. And there's uh, the, the world's first cannabis-infused beer was launched this week, past week. I, w- um, I was thinking about this article, Bill. Um, it's, this is out of the drinks business. I was thinking about this article, and I was thinking, now, who who can drink this beer? Like, if you work for, like, because I work for a kind of a stodgy company, so... I don't think I could be consuming something like that. Yeah, I don't. That's a really good. That's what? a really good point. So there, it's so. Um, first of all, you're not going to get high off this beer like you would nope. marijuana. I mean, just to be clear. Yep. It uses a cannabinoid called CBD. Um, yep. Interesting thing about CBD. CBD is also CBD cannabis or cannabis. It's high in CBD. Uh, and it can be bred this way, is also very effective in treating epileptic seizures. Yeah, that's what I've heard, yeah. Um, and there's a, there were two brothers in, that had created this um, strain that's actually, like, helped this girl, and I can't remember, so I remember this story. Um, Colorado also had a court case recently where um, the, uh, a, a worker was fired because he tested positive for cannabis use, took it all the way to, I think, to the state Supreme Court. And the state Mm -hmm. Supreme Court said, even though it's legal in California, the employer still has the right to terminate you for, for cause. At Uh, will. Yep. So I, and I imagine if you drink this stuff, you'll come up hot on a, on a drug screen. Yeah, I would think so too. It's oil. Yeah, and the other thing, I mean, they're putting extracted cannabis oil in here, so it's it's, it's, it's going to have the indicator in there in the in the, in the profile of the panel for yeah. sure. And and it's oil, so it's fat soluble, which means you it doesn't go away for a couple <laughs> week, couple weeks. Hey man, I don't do that. I just had a beer. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, I think about you know, so I. My experience with drug testing was in the service, right? So we got tested fairly frequently. Like, what do you do? Yeah, I had a, I had this indica pale ale. I don't know what indica is. It's green. Tasted good. Well, I I like the guy, uh, the producer here, and his name is I love his name. His name is Dude Hembry. Yeah, it's dude. It's dude. It's it's dad and dudes brew brewia. <laughs> that just says everything you need to know. He says, like cannabis products, we recommend taking our double IPA in small amounts. It's a big beer, and a dab will do you. <laughs> a little dab will do you. <laughs> All right. So, hey, I probably should start wrapping up. We're uh, we're approaching our time here. Um, how about a wine recommendation? Seems like you got a good one. Yeah, wine recommendation uh, for this week will be the Ferro Brunel Cote de Rhone Village, and um, we did we did a show I think on uh, Cote de Rhone. We did do a show on Cote de Rhone, um, so you can go back and and listen to that. But uh, this is a 2012. Uh, on the label, it says 14% alcohol. I will say that it you definitely feel feel this one, you know, like uh, those Southern Rhone wines. But uh, I really loved it. Uh, 
uh, black cherries and black plums, uh, some good spice and earth on the nose. Um, it's for sure a full bodied wine. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, see, it, it's talking tannins, man. It's, 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 it's robust, but it's balanced as well. And, uh, at, uh, I got it for 15 bucks. So yeah, it's, so it's a decent price a, point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a buy. And I got the approval from my wife also. She said, where'd you get that? You should get some more. So oh, nice. What, <laughs> so, um, uh, it's, it's imported by Martins, um, out of Novato, which if that means anything to anybody, it means a lot. I always say, if you're not sure about a bottle or when you find something you like, flip the bottle around and look and check out the importer. And typically, if you like that importer's wine, if you like that wine, you like other wines that they bring in on selection. And I'm a big fan of Martin's wines. So Cool. Good to know. And what did you eat with that thing? Uh, that we bottle. had uh, last night. We had, oh, boy. It was um, – I did a, a parpadelli, the little uh, bow tie uh, pastas with um, – we had some um, – Italian um, chicken sausage that I sauteed up with, uh, and I cut in some um, jalapeno peppers, uh, some uh, portobello mushrooms, and some uh, pecorino romano, and uh, that was it. Just kind of tossed it all together. It went great with it. Yeah, and and so you know, I'm not hearing super complex sort of food preparation. No, no, just, just kind uh, of getting it in and getting it going. Well, it was Friday night, you know, after a long week, you know, we're not going to make this super complicated. We just chopped up stuff and, and uh, here we go. Fantastic. Here's what we got in the kitchen. Fantastic. So Fantastic. definitely run out there and uh, get yourself some Faroe Brunel. Um, it's got, um, you know, the, it's a it's a hyphenated name and the winemakers behind it are um, it's uh, 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 Laurence Faroe, uh, who uh, makes wine for Domaine Pego. Which, uh, if you ever get a chance to try the Pago Chateau Nuke de Pops, you're in for a real treat. You should do that. <laughs> and uh, Andre Brunel, he is um, he owns uh, Domaine Les Cailloux, which uh, they also make some great Rhone wines. So it's two uh, companies getting together and uh, making a nice blend. And I've had the wines before, the tens. I think I have a few of the tens left. I mean, Cote de Rhone's. You know, typically you're supposed to drink them right when they come out. This wine could f definitely age for a little bit. You could age this for two, three, four years, no problem. It for a while. Uh, it's it's a it's a strong drinker right now, and it's probably going to get a little bit more complex and better over a couple of years. So stock up, Shriners. <laughs> Sounds awesome. All right, well, um, you can uh, reach us at info at vino101.net. You can hit us up on the Twitters at vino101.net. Um, facebook page vino 101 so you can like us there and you can subscribe to our podcast on apple itunes or on stitcher and you can always check our website and get our cast there so have a great week all right hey bill thanks for your help uh, everybody thanks for listening we appreciate it tell a friend yeah tell a friend indeed um cheers cheers <laughs>